0: TV I Say with Ashley Ray, another episode, another episode of TV I Say with Ashley Ray, another episode, another episode of TV I Say with Hello and welcome to episode twenty of TV I Say with Ashley Ray. Episode 20! Wow, that's so many episodes. I can't believe that we're already here, 20 episodes in. I really did want to take this opportunity, my 20th episode, to kind of reintroduce the podcast, to tell people about TV I Say all over again. I've gotten so many new listeners, so many new people reaching out, subscribing to the newsletter. I just really want to take this opportunity to tell you what TV I Say Club is all about and what this podcast is about. And I mean, obviously, if you've been listening, you're probably like, I get the gist. But I figured, why not reintroduce myself, right? I'm Ashley Ray. I'm a TV reviewer, recapper, culture writer, however you want to say it. a bunch of places i started at the av club started writing for vulture did some stuff for bitch a long time ago vice variety el cosmo i forget all the places that i've written the chicago reader (laughs) forget all the places i've written for but all of that is to say that is why you probably care about my opinion on different tv shows is because i write about them I studied pop culture and television in school, and it has always been a passion of mine. I did my senior thesis on the history of Black TV, and ever since, I just knew TV was what I wanted to do. So I started TV, I Say, so that I could talk about TV the way that I want to talk about it. Because the thing about TV criticism and the way that we approach TV is that it's very binary, it's like there's either peak prestige TV, and we let all the critics talk about it in the awards, and we we give it these amazing breakdowns, and you write books about it, and it's like, oh my gosh, The Wire, The Sopranos, oh my gosh. And it's like, okay, that's the TV everyone can admit is good. And then we say, well, then there's the other side of TV that's bad, and it's, you know, your trashy stuff, your whatever stuff, your evening soap operas that you watch, your sitcoms, the stuff that might be okay, but is Kind of looked down upon, you know. Is there anything that people would say it's better to watch a movie? I disagree. I love TV. I love all TV. I love reality TV. I write about Ninety Day Fiance for Vulture, FYI. I love prestige TV. I love horrible, horrible true crime shows. I love evening sitcoms. I still watch Grey's Anatomy, which is to actually uh, get to another point. Why this episode is so important to me is that. Grey's Anatomy is one of the first shows I fell in love with. It was one of those shows that just hit me emotionally. It came out when I was in high school, maybe eighth grade, but I was just young enough that it had this emotional impact on me. And I realized like, wow, TV can tell stories. TV can help people figure out what they're feeling. So today's guest Melissa Dupre, who is one of my good friends from Chicago. She's an amazing actress and she is now on Grey's Anatomy. She is on the show as an intern. She's absolutely amazing. So I'm excited to have her here on this special episode where we get to talk about a show that both of us just really loved. We did this interview a while back and we did it for a Serious Black History Month project. So if you heard the interview on Sirius, this is, I guess, a rewind for you. A rerun, because this is a TV podcast, right, right? This is a rerun episode for you. But I figure most people do not listen to Sirius, so you probably didn't catch it. <laughs> this is just going to be a really kind of laid-back episode where I just wanted to reintroduce myself. But the way that TVI I Say Pod works is that I literally just go through all the TV that I watch in a week at the beginning of the episode. I call that the watch list. I watch a ton of TV, things that I have to watch for things I'm writing and things that I just watch because I'm depressed and I have nothing else to do with my time. I watch a lot of TV, but I can tell myself that I'm doing it for you, the listener, and that's what matters. And after I go through my watch list, I come out with a pick for you. What is the one thing you should probably get into or watch? And after the pick of the week, which used to be a clip of the week, but now it's the pick of the week. After that, you get to enjoy an awesome interview with an actor, a comedian, or just someone that I like who does stuff in TV. And that's TV I Say Pod. And I've been doing it for 20 episodes now. It's just me doing it, and I love it. And I'm so happy that so many people also love it. So, you know, if you're just tuning in for the first time now, if you're jumping along for different episodes, welcome. Yeah, 20-episode mile marker. Wanted to just give myself a shout-out for that. A little pat on my back. Also, I think the biggest part that I should probably point out, because last week's episode with uh, Kimberly, it was so funny because Kimberly, like I do the guest interviews and then obviously I I record these intros uh, and Kimberly was texting me and she's like, yeah, I'm listening to the episode. And she's like, hey, do you record your intros? Hi. Yes. Yes, I do. Yeah. Absolutely stoned. That is part of the TV. I say club experience. I mean, we're talking about TV. You gotta be stoned to love television as much as I do. Like, I'm sorry, do you know how many seasons of Raising Hope I've watched recently for no reason? Come on, you gotta smoke a lot of weed to do what I do. So that's part of the fun of it for me is one point I had like a friend who would do the intros with me and we could smoke together. So I might bring that back. I'll let you guys tell me. You can, like, tweet things at me if you think I should bring a smoking buddy back to this part, because, yes, I would like to make it very clear. I am just smoking joints over here telling you about my favorite TV shows. I do not do the interview stoned, unless the interviewee would like to be stoned, as you saw with Eric Edelstein when we talked for, like, two hours high. (laughs) Anyway, what a long introduction, all of that, you know, okay, let me just get through this watch list because I really want to get to my wonderful guest, Melissa Dupre. So let's get through this watch list. First up on the list, because I literally just watched it before I recorded this, I'm going to start with Young Rock, which is still killing it. I know every week I've just been like talking about how much I love this sitcom and everyone is like, I thought that show was a joke. I did not realize it was real it is really good. If you enjoyed Fresh Off the Boat, it's pretty similar in tone, but I think it's just a little sharper. It has a a kind of weird tone and voice that I can't even quite explain. It's not as sappy as a family sitcom because it's not afraid to get weird. So check it out. After that, I did the three-episode premiere of Generation on HBO Max. Now, I'm gonna admit I don't know if this show is pronounced generation or "generay plushin, but I kind of am leaning towards calling it "generay plushin because I just am so irritated they put a plus sign in it. Like, why? I don't. Anyway, it is the new Lena Dunham produced HBO teen show that is going to get compared to Euphoria and people are going to say it shouldn't, although I'm not exactly sure why, because it is, very much doing a similar euphoria thing. I did all three of the episodes that are out now on HBO Max. There are some engaging characters. The actors are all really good. I think that's what's really sealing it for me is that I want to just keep watching because their performances are so engaging. So I'm gonna stick it out. You know, it's one of those shows where personally, I love the way that Lena Dunham makes TV. And I know not everyone agrees with that. But I love the way Lena Dunham makes TV. There's something about it that just makes me excited for TV as a storytelling mechanism. I think she's really clever in the way that she just can quickly build characters. Uh, And you see that here in Generation. And I know she's only a producer. She didn't write or uh, direct or anything. But I feel like the overall tone of the script, you can tell that her influence on the pacing is very much there. I mean, the second the show pops off, you're instantly kind of like, okay, these are these people. These are these characters. This is what they're like. It very much reminds me of the girls' pilot. And hey, I think the girls' pilot is like the pilot guide for anyone interested in watching television. So, hey, going to keep watching. Generation. Generate Plushin. in. Alan vs. Pharaoh, also on HBO, uh, had the last episode this past weekend. I actually have a guest next week who is going to be diving into the entire documentary with me, so I'm not going to spend too much time on it. But I did think this fourth episode was the best and the strongest. Obviously, <laughs> it's not like, oh, by the episode four, I was convinced. It's just more episode four takes care to really focus on who Dylan is now, how she has survived and created a life for herself, And it just looks at Woody's continued attacks and just how he has continued to lie in ways that are very clear. He put out his book where he says in the book that, you know, there wasn't even a train set in the attic that day. And Moses was with me. He put this book out in 2020. And then very quickly in the documentary, they're like, no, in the police reports, you see they did a diagram of the area and they drew a train because there was a train there. And the day that this occurred, Moses has said in a blog post, and you know, Woody has also said, oh, Moses was there the whole time. He was the man of the house. He knew that Dylan couldn't be left alone with Woody. So this never could have happened. And Moses was there the whole time. But actually, when they did the custody battle in like 1993, Woody testified in court that that day, Moses wasn't there, that Moses was in a bad mood, and they only saw each other for a few moments. But Moses wasn't around. So all of Woody's lies just kind of fall apart. I think this is the one where it's very hard to look at any sort of defense of him. And throughout the series, I had been saying, when will they address Mia's abuse? When will they address what Moses has said? In episode four, they take it all on. So if that was keeping you from watching, do know that they do get into both sides of it. Up next, Shameless. Shameless is still just trying to make it to the finish line. I believe there are three episodes left now before we are all put out of our misery. This last episode, I mean, I did like the stuff with Mickey and his dad. I felt like that was really heartwarming and moving. But at this point, I just want the show to be over. And I hate what they're doing to Lip. Like Lip obviously is still very attractive. I'm still in love with him. And I just want him to come out of it okay. Like, if they're going to take away Fiona, who was the only good character on the show, like, at least let me get Lip okay out of this. Like, come on. After that, we have Bob's Burgers, which did a wonderful episode uh, with one of my favorite Gene storylines, and I'll be real, I love Bob's Burgers, obviously. I've talked about it a ton, but I'm not usually a fan of a Gene episode. And they did this really great episode where Gene gets stuck by himself and he's finally left alone and he realizes he like hates being by himself and he has an imaginary friend. But I absolutely loved it. Again, Bob's Burgers, still killing it after all these seasons. Up next, I did The Great North, also on Fox, after Bob's Burgers. Love this. I think this last episode was the best one of the season yet. It was my favorite episode they've done. It was so good. The premise is that the daughter is going to like a Sandy Hawkins dance where the girls ask the guys. And she obviously gets this crush on a guy who is clearly gay and into her brother, who I believe is voiced by Julio Torres. And it is so sweet, so funny. Just so many really good throwaway lines. So, you know, I, I think that shows finding its footing and I'm loving it. I'm really love this last episode was the one that made me go, OK, I'm hooked. You got me. So there it is. The Great North. After that, I did Close Enough on HBO Max. That season two came out a few weeks ago. I've been working my way through it. There is a wonderful episode with John Early and Kate Berlant. That is super funny. You should watch that episode. Up next, Intervention is back. <laughs> Yes, I still watch Intervention, like the new episodes of Intervention. Like, I love Intervention. I love that show so much. I used to have an Intervention drinking game that I would play in college. That is a story for another time. I'm not going to get canceled over my Intervention drinking game, but that shows back. Obviously, it's difficult for me to sort of rate shows like Intervention. Like, how do you rate someone's drug addiction and turn to recovery? So the way that I kind of like to watch it is how the show and producers deal with certain stories. And this season, they're taking on kind of more difficult and I think just stories that are more realistic to kind of the current situation of this country. This premiere focuses on an entire family that got addicted because the mother was put on pain pills and that moved to heroin. And then pretty soon it became this just really toxic mess of like the daughter and son doing heroin with the mom. And so it really just shows how insidious the addiction can be. So I watch Intervention for the Education. Up next, Dark Side of the Ring Confidential. If you follow me on Twitter, you know that I love wrestling. And if you've listened to early episodes of the pod, you know that I I love wrestling, but I mostly love wrestling documentaries. So Dark Side of the Ring is not back for a new season, although I'm so excited for the new season. They have some really good episodes coming up. But they are doing this like new season called Dark Side of the Ring Confidential where they reshow old episodes with new footage and like updated interviews and like behind the scenes stuff that they cut. Here's the thing. I love Dark Side of the Ring so much. I have watched every episode four times. I have honestly watched every episode probably four to five times. So I'm in heaven. I love this. I love the extra stories about like gino hernandez's mom sleeping with jimmy snuka like that stuff i'm all about it anyone else if you aren't watching for like rare wrestling knowledge you're probably just better off watching dark side of the ring it's just the same stories like it's not like oh my gosh yeah gino hernandez didn't die of a coke overdose it's it's the same stories and info so and finally on the list gray's anatomy gray's anatomy came back last week another reason i'm so excited melissa's on the pod. But Grey's Anatomy was back and it was a big episode. It was a big episode for Grey's this week. They killed off a major character. I won't give more away than that. And I also, I'd imagine most people don't care at this point. No one is out there like, please don't spoil Grey's Anatomy for me. They killed a major character off who is very connected to Meredith. And it's just reaching this point where everyone is like, can Meredith have anything? Can she just have one thing? And there was also no reason for this character to really die. It didn't even fully make sense. It just seemed like, okay, yeah, they just want everyone to be miserable. They just want to lean into the misery. Like, what are we doing here? And it was so hopeful for a minute. So, you know, a few weeks ago, I wrote a piece that was like, Grey's Anatomy is Bad Again. And sadly, this episode, I think, still falls on that spectrum where they just they don't know what to do with most of the characters. Like Maggie is running around with some guy, I guess. And Amelia had her baby and she's freaking out and Meredith's just on a death beach. So it's just all over the place. And maybe with the I guess I spoiled it with the Luke out of the picture, (laughs) the doctor they killed out of the picture, maybe with that, they'll be able to reposition, fix things up. And get back on track. Let's get Meredith off of that death beach. Oh, that's the watch list. Uh, Pretty long one today. Pretty long intro here. But you know, like I said, I'm smoking. I'm having fun with it. But I do want to do my pick of the week. And my pick of the week this week is 90 Day (laughs) Fiancé. Which you're not shocked by. Probably. You're probably like, Ashley, why are you telling me to watch 90 Day Fiancé? You always tell me to watch 90 Day Fiancé. But here's the thing. This last episode and the episode that airs this weekend, two of the best 90 Day Fiancé episodes that I've probably seen in a while, and definitely the most sort of recent versions of the show, things just are reaching this like critical point of mess in the season. Like there's kind of a point every 90 Day Fiancé fan knows where it's like the beginning of the season is really wild like everybody's meeting everybody you're figuring out who the wild couples are you're piecing it all together then there's this part where like usually like episode seven it starts to slow down that's when everybody's like moved into their american home and it's like oh yeah we're getting her adjusted to the dishwasher and it's like okay what's the you know central conflict gonna be like oh no brandon and julia can't share a room and it's like that repeated for like four episodes And then usually around episode like 11 or 12, they're like, okay, we got to get back to the craziness. And that's when things start to like turn again. That's when we get to our pivot. And so right now we are at that climax of the pivot. Like every couple is just in chaos. I genuinely don't know who's going to end up together, who's going to end up apart. If you've been like on the fence about this season... Now's the time to just jump in. Or if you're behind, you know, because sometimes when the episodes just get so repetitive, a lot of people drop out. Now's your time to get back into 90 Day Fiancé. So, yeah. And there's only a few more episodes left this season. Actually, I think there's like probably nine episodes. 90 Day Fiancé seasons are so long. (laughs) Cool. So that is my pick of the week. 90 Day Fiancé. What a watch list and what a long intro just to tell you who i am why i do this podcast uh, and why it means so much to me instead of putting it at the end uh, where nobody's gonna listen to it i thought why not do this at the top because i just i really am so happy about this pod and everyone who listens so yeah i hope you enjoy this interview with my lovely amazing friend please melissa dupre please enjoy Welcome to TV I Say with Ashley Ray, our special little mini episode. I'm so excited today. Our guest, Melissa Dupre from Chicago, my hometown. That's why I'm so excited for this episode. I had to have Melissa on, not only because she's from my hometown and she is an actress, comedian, storyteller. You do everything. Plays. You were in Girls, Chicago PD, The Shy, And now, most important to my heart, Grey's Anatomy. Grey's Anatomy. Gray's Anatomy. <laughs> oh my gosh. So, welcome to the show. How are you doing?
1: I'm doing great. I am so, so happy to be here and also just like following your work. I remember when we were in the Fly Honey yes. review show together and I was just like, we're over here just taking up all this space and flaunting our bodies. And I just remember seeing you. It's like, she's so funny and dry and like Black Daria is what I thought, <laughs> you know, like was the overall tone but I was just really in awe about I had been following you on Twitter and following you on social media and just been a fan of your work as well so really Thank excited you. that we finally get to like, be on this platform and yes. then you know Grey's Anatomy is the way in and I'm a fan just like you're a fan of it's like really up and down ebb and flow trashy tv yeah.
0: It's like one of those shows I will always watch. I've loved it for so long. When I found out you were going to be on it, I was like, I can't believe not only that someone I know is going to be on the show, but that you're an intern, which is an iconic role as any Grey's Anatomy fan knows. Kind of every season, every other season, they bring in like a new cast of interns for everyone. And you're one of them. How does that feel?
1: It feels so surreal to be quite honest. Like you, I've been watching since I was a teenager, and I made Mommy and Me time out of Grace Anatomy. Shonda Landia was a way that I could actually break out of my all nighters in college and actually just watch two hours of TV with my mom, and it was a bounding time. And so when my mom passed away four years ago, I stopped watching it. It was just too much. And it was something that we really, really bonded over and connected over. I just stopped watching it. And then one day, I, the Grey's Anatomy audition came in. They were looking for Afro-Latinas specifically. And I was like, oh, that's new. I sent in a tape on Wednesday and Friday night. I got the call. I packed my car that morning to be in LA by Monday to get COVID tested, and so like the whole drive while I was like going through the Colorado (laughs) mountains, I was like, "I made it, Mom!" (laughs) I was crying, I was sobbing. We were dancing, crying. I would like see her in my passenger side, and we were just—it felt so surreal. So when I got to the set, the first person I saw was Dr. Bailey, right, Chandra Wilson. Oh yeah. And I just lost it. (sighs) Oh. And, like, seeing the iconic doctors that are still there. Like, some of the people I feel bad because I'm like, I don't know you guys. <laughs> <Yeah. If>
0: you <laughs> stopped watching four years ago, you wouldn't know some right. of the newer doctors. But, like, you still got Meredith, Avery. Yeah. Avery's still well, there. Owen? See-
1: she was in a parallel universe, as we know from the first three episodes. I never saw her, but Dr. Owen Hunt directed the first episode I was in. Yes. And like Debbie Allen is just casually walking around. So I'm like, everywhere I look, I'm starstruck and I cannot hide it. Cause Chicago <laughs> people don't do fake.
0: Yeah, we don't do yeah. We,
1: they do not do fake. They were like, yo, you're the doctor. On the- <laughs> And I'm geeking the fuck out. And for everything that it is, it just feels really surreal to be in a place where I've been watching for 15 years, like a novella, like the general hospitals. He's just been watching and growing with these people and you forget that they're real lives. There's
0: always like a character that you really click with. For me, it is Meredith. I was always like, that's me. I'm Meredith. Like if I had a crush on a guy, that was my McDreamy. I always was like her storylines are my storylines. Did you have a character like that? Dr. Torres, all the way. Dr. Of course, Dr. Dr. Torres. Kelly.
1: Sarah, Sarah, Sarah Ramirez, for me, I was, first of all, like, me being a baby queer in my own right, Sarah Torres, for me, was one of the not first openly gay storylines, because we know George was gay, but, like, he didn't have a storyline to follow. So, Sarah... Yeah having that storyline written I was so enamored with her I was also enamored with like how full figured she was and beautiful and her voice is intoxicating and then I found out later she's a fucking jazz singer yeah
0: Um, oh of course the musical episode
1: (laughs) oh yeah yeah and so much music in there but if it wasn't for Sandra Oh who was like it's so easy to fall in love with Sandra Oh and like you have to just love what she does Sarah for me was the first parameter. was like somebody that might look like me can do that even though like The centering of blackness started to be a thing, and then all the spinoffs started happening. But Sarah, for me, was my crush. Actually, yeah,
0: I loved Callie. I loved her in Arizona. That was like my couple, and then they just couldn't let them be happy. I was like, just please, let's stop like a stop setting their house on fire. You're throwing planes at these women. Let them just
1: cutting off legs and stuff. Yeah, (laughs) let them. That's the running theme of Grays, is like, you can't let them live. Someone has to die. Someone yeah. always die.
0: That's Grays. And yeah, that's part of the fun of it as a fan.
1: I Google myself often now because that's the thing you do because you still can't believe me. <laughs> so I Googled myself the other day and I found out that I'm on a Grey's Anatomy Wikipedia. So oh like it's God. this one giant Wikipedia platform for all the Grey's Anatomy oh yeah even if you've only done one or two episodes, they do the backstories for you.
0: They make up the characters for you. Oh, the Grey's Anatomy fan base. We are very rabid. We got it together. If you need to know, like, season four, episode five, what child died of malaria, you can probably figure it out pretty quickly.
1: (laughs) It's so in-depth. And, you know, like, I was like, okay, let me go back and... Some of these characters that I love, it's all there. And I'm like, I'm a part of a culture. That's the other thing. It was like, as soon as I got on there, all of Brazil was on my page. Grey's Anatomy is so big in Brazil, but it was so mind-blowing to me how gung-ho they were because then they kept asking me if I was Brazilian because I'm Black Latina. And they had not seen, and they're in it, they had not seen anyone who looked like me. And that's what was really moving and connecting. I was like, oh, the movement, this is a culture.
0: Yeah, and Shonda obviously is always someone who is so eager and happy to put that diversity on TV. And that's what it's all about, you know? Is she
1: ever, can we get the most intersectional? Can we get a person with disabilities who also is a tap dancer, who is Black and Asian, and in a polyamorous relationship? Yeah. <laughs>
0: Exactly. She's just, let's do it. Let's go. She's, I mean, she's got that Netflix money. She ain't afraid of anything. She's like, I can do you know, it.
1: Bridgerton, Bridgerton be making waves for its own problematic culture. Yeah. But.
0: Bridgerton has its issues, but I, it's like now Netflix's most watched show ever. And I mean, I enjoyed it. It was fun. I wanted that girl to have all the sex in the world that she desired.
1: You know, I wanted her to just have bangs. I wanted yeah. her to.
0: She could have, I did at some point think, why did they do her hair this way? It just made her look so much younger. I was like, she looks like she's 14 and he looks like a 35-year-old grown man.
1: I mean, I'm here for the dynamic.
0: (laughs) (laughs) What else are you watching right now? What's on?
1: So I haven't, man, I loved Bridgerton. I did binge it, but I was late to the Dairy Girls train. Yeah. Yeah. Dairy Girls, my goodness, I just love a good Backwoods Irish story.
0: I love it. I, I love it.
1: I was obsessed. I watched two seasons in two days. It's just so funny because, like, they keep a joke going, and every family member gets to hit on it. You know, like, yeah. every ensemble. It's such a strong ensemble show. You couldn't write for adolescent, you know, sperm-driven, hormonal girls better. Yeah. so from Bridgerton is in there. Yeah, uh,
0: yeah. So Nicole.
1: I, I absolutely felt, yeah, I fell in love with Dairy Girls. And I cackled three times in the first 10 minutes and I knew I was going to be hooked. But the coming of age story for me is really charming. I'm trying to give that new fairy show, the Winxie Saga, a try. Oh,
0: yeah. I've heard people talking about it. That's actually one I don't know too much about. So you like win a prize.
1: Trying to give it a shot, you know. Like when it comes to the supernatural ones, I really loved Carnival Row. I was trying to give Discovery, which is Discovery, which is like it's set in a library. It's already moving too slow. Yeah,
0: that's yeah, that's not going to work for me. I I have a hard time with it. I can usually do things like X Files. I like like a supernatural, but then like I don't know, even like Stranger Things. I started to get kind of just like this is too convoluted. I don't understand what's going on anymore.
1: (laughs) Something like Stranger Things, I'm taking it for what it is. It is nostalgia porn for me. Like, I'm an 80s kid. I'm really leaning into what they're doing with it. They don't really need to complicate it much. I think it's phenomenal. I think they're doing some really strong acting. But then when it starts getting super predictable, I'm like, I don't want to put these shows on in the background. I'm really attentive to them. You know, like, you and I are content creators. I'm really looking at what they're doing, what's interesting, what Netflix is buying. Because, hey, you know, I want to catch a trend, too. So I'm looking at these shows for what is interesting, but like it's something's there for everybody. You know, a lot of people are watching the Night Stalker when you need yeah. to switch it up for something horrific. There's and- so many, so <laughs> many
0: true crime murder shows out there now.
1: I'm just like, these are real though.
0: Yeah. Oh my. And that one, they use so many like real graphic photos. I was just like, I don't need to see that. Why are you showing me that? Nobody needs to see that.
1: Nobody needs to see it, but I had never watched as many documentaries as I had now that there's such a high production value towards yeah. doc- and now like documentaries are like many movies, and I'm yeah. getting mad at why McDonald's game. Tokens were being split <laughs> up between these like yes white oh my big millions
0: was so good that, and it, it just was so infuriating.
1: It I was just, like, it had had so many twists.
0: My grandmother
1: sent me to McDonald's to get these fucking stickers,
0: right? And I just kept being like, here we go. I'm gonna get it. This is it. This is it, this is it for me. Like this is the one I need. And then you find yeah. out that these like white people and I don't even remember upstate New York were just gaming everybody,
1: everybody. And so we switched to the Jewel Monopoly game. And then (laughs) she's like, you got to go through the Juul's on the North side.
0: I bet Jewel was doing it too. And they just got away with it. I bet they were like, McDonald's took the heat. Like, nobody knows that we've also been scamming our Monopoly game.
1: I mean, I was just, I'm fed up. So like, I had to take a break from TV. I'm on a writing deadline myself right now. I'm writing a show. I'm really excited about this. So next week on the 6th, I'll be debuting a new piece, just reading a new piece on an off-Broadway platform. So that's one of the positives of COVID. I get to be working in New York, Chicago, and LA simultaneously all in one time. And I'm writing a solo show that walks through the precursors of becoming Auntie Entity from the Thunderdome, Mad Max saga. So I go back. Oh my God. I go back in time, which is actually right now, because Thunderdome was set in 2021, back when it was done in the 80s. Yeah. And I go back to find out how the pre-apocalypse, what happened, and like the journey of Aunt Entity and what she was doing. And she was actually like a really powerful revolutionary leader of the people who was trying to make sure that. People were having enough resources during a nuclear blast and a cold front coming through the United States. So, like, Siberia actually turned into Siberia. And because of the previous administration, the United States had become dependent on fossil fuels. And the mayor of Siberia was hoarding all the gas, all the methane.
0: Yeah.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I'm writing this sci-fi prequel as a
0: solo Uh. player. Yeah, that's I need great. more women of color, black women, Afro Latina women writing sci fi. This is what excites me right now. Like, this moment, I feel like there's such a thirst for that. There
1: i has to be. The Afrofuturism that's coming up, like, shows through Lovecraft Country. Yeah. The reason why it swept so much of us just, like, right off the floor is because. People like Octavia Butler and all of these authors and playwrights that have been leaning into Afrofuturism for a very long time, never really had a place in mass media and in the public context as far as having mainstream shows. And so when we think about it, it's like, it's got to blow our minds because this is just not what we're used to. And we need to keep flooding the media outlets with Black imagination because we're not thinking about liberation spaces as black creatives who have boundless limitations in their imaginations and recreating and reimagining a future, then we're really just going to be stuck doing the same shit.
0: Yes, all the time. time. I love that black imagination. Just for listeners, I want to just point out that that range of talent you have My on Grey's Anatomy, writing sci-fi, one (laughs) woman show, and all during COVID. I just am so impressed always with you Oh my gosh! I just can't wait to see everything that you do.
1: You too. It's out of necessity that we have to do this because, yeah. like, people you know, aren't just giving us opportunities. We have to go and make our platforms and make our stages anywhere. And yeah. through, you know, we both do stand up, and we're both content creators.
0: You know yeah we're we're not out here like these you know white guys who are just like oh i tweeted something funny my dad said i got a tv show it's great.
1: The celebration of mediocrity is just extreme so we have to be excellent in all things and i'm tired.
0: Yeah. So tired. tired. But you are doing the work and it is amazing. I know Grey's is on a break because the COVID production was uh, paused well, they, for a they bit. They
1: had their normal winter hiatus. But yeah. Sag, who was just like, hey, y'all are, who are filming, <laughs> can y'all just kind of like pause and delay things just by a week or so? Because L.A. is at the epicenter of the apocalypse and just push back everything a week or so. And so it was on a normal winter break, but the winter break was extended so they can do more in-depth COVID testing. They are super thorough. I will say Grey's Anatomy and productions like it who are filming safely are taking serious, serious measures to make sure that people are getting tested three times a week so that way we can be in space with each other. And then they are hiring people just to pump antibacterial serum in your hand. Everyone's wearing masks and N95. And that was one thing I was just like, oh. Grey's Anatomy had all the N95 masks.
0: (laughs) It also probably helps that, you know, you're in a technical kind of hospital, so you guys at least have a reason to wear masks and, like, have all this protection gear on, so...
1: I'm just wondering when they're going to write an episode that sees my face, because already when you meet somebody new in this time, or, like, maybe not meet somebody new, but you're talking to people in a mask situation and then for some reason they take down their mask, you're like, oh, well, that does not look like (laughs) anything I thought it would.
0: yeah. I don't even understand why you would want bars and restaurants to be open right now because it's like, what you're gonna try to like hit on people with a mask covering half their face? What do you really need from that experience right now?
1: I mean, just to drink high-end drinks, get a bottle, go home. Yeah, go home. Stay home. Stay home.
0: Yes. But yeah,
1: we're masked the whole time, and interns, you know, we're only in the hospital. So unless they do like, you know, how Grey's Anatomy always takes you to the bar
0: yeah. afterwards. Oh yeah, Joe's Bar, part. of course.
1: Yeah. <laughs> Unless they do that, you are not going to be seeing my face this season. So.
0: Yeah. Uh, well, we're going to be watching this season. We're going to be watching out for your face. Grace, producers, writers, if you're listening, we want it. The viewers, I'm demanding it right now.
1: <laughs> Give me Dupre face, my yes. best friend. Like waiting for the spinoff Dupre's Anatomy.
0: Dupre's Anatomy. I love it. <laughs> and before we go, is there anywhere else that we should check your workout at? Anywhere we should follow you?
1: Okay, so I did mention February 6th, I'll be premiering Rise of Thunderdome. You can go to ArsNova.com. ArsNova is the incubation space for new artists to premiere new work. It's pretty dope. You can find it on my page as well, Facebook, look up Melissa Dupre, or on Instagram at Boom Boom Dupre. But I'm really, really excited about season two of 50 Blind Dates. It's a reality dating show that I created during the pandemic that is – Me committing to 50 blind Zoom dates in order to combat social isolation. So what do we do when we're in a pandemic and we are either single or lonely or really just trying to connect with people? If we think that we need to rush into public space, we don't. We have all this ability to connect with people in our own networks, right? Like all my friends just set me up with a friend of theirs who I didn't know. So it's really a blind date, but I have 45 minutes to find a connection with this person. And watching me do that, take an hour date and condense it down to like a 15 minute episode yeah on YouTube right now 50 blind dates with Melissa Dupre season one is out so I release (gasps) every 10 dates and then I bring in my tribe of girlfriends and we talk about it and then we see like who of these 10 in this time would we want to ask out on a second date so the whole point of it is to find that really interesting person that I would go on yeah yeah quarantine date with so it's really interesting I am this sounds actually-
0: amazing I want to watch all of this I absolutely like yeah, dating I mean, shows are what I need
1: yes I feel like we actually-
0: haven't really had one since love is blind like that counted because right. they couldn't see each other so they were in you know the circle I guess they were in little yeah. pods
1: well this is love is blind meets the bachelorette meets I guess love connection Something like that. But it's really the panel at the end of the 10 dates where we go back through and recap all the 10 and I let them kind of dish it out. Yeah. That's the funny one. Season two is queerer. It's funnier. It's bolder. And it's got my grandma in it. So I'm excited for season two to drop slowly but surely editing those videos because editing myself is one expensive ass job. So if you want to do the GoFundMe, you can find it on 50 Blind Dates. uh, Oh yeah. Go
0: support this project. It sounds amazing. 50 First Dates. Go watch it on YouTube. Go support the GoFundMe. Melissa Dupre, thank you so much for coming on the show
1: for having me, my love. I'm so excited and proud of you. And thank you for everything, for blessing us on social media. Oh, my God, thank,
0: thank you so much. <laughs> Melissa's so wonderful. That was so great. That was a fun conversation. We did it forever ago, but I'm glad I got to share it again now. <laughs> thank you so much for listening, for supporting TVI Say Pod. If you would like to support us more, please rate and review. Of course, you can support us on Patreon, patreon.com slash tvisaypod, or you can subscribe to my newsletter, although I am currently on Substack and I am thinking of moving it with everything going on. So for right now, just keep listening to the podcast, rate and review, and definitely subscribe to the Patreon. I think that's right now the best place to follow for your transcripts and more TV updates. And you know, just keep listening. I appreciate it so much we'll be back next week of course with another episode just a little teaser what we'll be talking about finally going to get into framing britney spears yeah britney spears doc we're going to talk about the royal interview i'm just doing a big slate of tv events catching up on everything got an amazing guest who will be on to guide us through these difficult topics so i'm so excited keep listening to tv i say pod you're all so great we'll be back next week TV the say, TV I Say theme song TV was made by Rafia Santana, episode, and our artwork was created by Chastity Hyman. TV I Say with Ashley Ray, another episode, another episode of TV I Say with Ashley Ray, another episode, another episode of